Today on Rooted Daily, we look at the prayers of sorrow in Scripture. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less each day we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God. I'm Brandon Levy, and today we're talking about the prayers of sorrow in the Bible and what they teach us for our own prayers. You know, there's a story I saw in a a sermon about a young boy, and he he was kneeling off to the side of a room after uh, a group meeting, and he was praying very fervently. And so the preacher, who's obviously encouraged by this, he came within earshot of the boy, and he was surprised to hear the boy saying, Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. And the boy finished his praying, and and the preacher approached him and said, son, I, I was very pleased to see you praying so devoutly, but I couldn't help but overhear that you were saying something like Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. What was that all about? And the boy replied, well, I just finished taking my geography test in school, and I've been praying as hard as I know how that God would make Tokyo the capital of France. And sometimes that is what our prayers sound like. It's us whispering in a corner, Tokyo, 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 and hoping that God will rewrite the map for us. So let's get a few things straight from the outset. First, God can rewrite the map. God formed the earth in the first place and he can reform it as he pleases. In fact, geological reformation was specifically mentioned as a potential result of prayer. Jesus said, as recorded in Mark eleven twenty three, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. You know, prayer is powerful. It can throw mountains into the sea and put Tokyo and France. There is no limit to the power of God, and prayer is our open line of communication to him. So that's number one. God can rewrite the map. The second thing we should understand is that God sometimes leaves mountains right where they are. He wants them right where they are. There there are many times when prayer changes things, but there are also times when prayer will not change What's going to happen? And the faithful will understand that. Our faith is founded in our knowledge of the power of God, but also in the humble recognition that all of his power and all of his wisdom makes him act in ways we don't always understand. Of course, God can move Tokyo to France, but I have a feeling that Tokyo is right where God wants it. You know, one of the most important principles we must master for healthy and godly prayer, and one that's interweaved into nearly every prayer of sorrow in the scriptures, is that God's will is greater than our will, and he is ensuring that all things work together for good for the faithful. We just don't always understand how in the moment that's happening. And perhaps one of the most famous recorded prayers in the Bible, we see that even the Son of God himself approached God with this kind of of humble attitude. In Luke chapter 22, we read that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Then in verse 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. 
And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. You know, this is a vivid picture of the sorrow and the anguish felt by Christ and the disciples before he was nailed onto that cross, and he pleads that this cup be taken from it. Now, of course, that refers to the physical suffering that he was about to face to some extent. Jesus felt things like we do, and he fully knew how painful of an experience he was about to endure. But a commentator drew my attention to another element of this cup analogy. The image of a cup is used throughout scripture. Isaiah 51, 17 says, Awake, awake, rise up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, you who have drained to its dregs the goblet that makes men stagger. And Jeremiah 25, 15 through 16 says uh, something similar. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. The true cup of suffering for Jesus wasn't just the physical pain that he was going to endure on the cross. The cup that Jesus asked to be spared from was the cup of God's wrath. That's why Jesus came. He came in the form of a man so that he could die in the form of a man. He came to stand in our place to endure death so that we could have everlasting life. He paid the price of our sins so that we don't have to. He wasn't here to give a new law. He always said he was simply here to fulfill the old law. Jesus was born to die on the cross. That was his purpose. And just hours before the fulfillment of that purpose, he prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Matthew's gospel also records this prayer and adds that Jesus didn't just pray this once, but at least three times. Father, take this cup from me, but only if it's your will. It appears, just as God's will is that Tokyo remain in Japan, despite the, the fervent prayers of that little boy, it's also God's will to sacrifice his son because of his incredible love for us. But no one knows the father as well as the son, and no one understands his will better than the son. Jesus knew why he was there, and he stated it to the disciples over and over. So then why what was the purpose of this sorrowful prayer? Did Jesus think that this prayer would change the fact that he would die on the cross? Did he think that there is another way that his father's will would be accomplished? And I think a good, thorough reading of the gospel accounts makes us answer that question, no. You know, Jesus knew that his father's will led him from Gethsemane to Golgotha. And if he wanted that will to be done, then he also knew that the father was going to deny this request. So why pray at all? Why ask that the cup be taken from him? He clearly felt this to be important. He withdrew from the others to pray so fervently that his sweat was like drops of blood. And then when he saw his disciples not doing the same, he scolded them. You know, the big takeaway from this prayer in the garden and so many of the other prayers of sorrow throughout scripture is that prayer isn't always about making our problems go away or making our physical circumstances change. Sometimes prayer is simply about telling God we trust him, that we trust that he can give us strength, that we trust that he will comfort us, and to trust that his will 
is greater than our own will. Prayer does change things, but it's not some kind of magical spell where if we say the right words in the right order that the world changes into whatever we want it to be. Prayer can heal. It can move mountains. It can even put Tokyo in France if the Lord wills it. But there are also times when prayer serves a different purpose. Sometimes prayer is important not because it eliminates terrible circumstances, but because it gives us the strength to endure them. Prayer can change things because it puts God, instead of ourselves, into the driver's seat. You know, throughout Scripture, that is what we see in the prayers of sorrow. When we pray in our sorrow, we tell God that we know that we can't always get exactly what we would want, but we will joyfully accept what he wants for us. As Christ said, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. That'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily, and I'm looking forward to sitting down and talking with you next time. Hey there, thank you for listening through this episode of Rooted Daily. We think it's so important that you grow with Christ continually, using the Word of God as your only foundation. That's why we release these episodes every weekday, so that you can root yourself daily in the Bible. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you don't miss us. And if you think a friend would benefit from hearing this good news, hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready now, to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, shoot me an email to brandon at rooteddaily.com.